Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good, awesome. Hope you're doing well, and I hope you are as excited to be here this morning as I am, and I hope you've had your coffee too, like I have. I'm still waking up, but we're doing good this morning. Um, I'm excited to share with you today. I'm not, I'm not Pastor Andy, obviously. I did wear the upward uniform, and I wore my black, <laughs> but... But I'm not Pastor Andy. My name is Leanne, and I serve as our children's pastor here at Upward, and I love what I get to do. I love being a part of this church and serving with our staff family. We have an awesome staff here, and I love our kids' team. If you don't know it, we have the best kids' volunteers that you will find anywhere. So can we just celebrate them before I get started? I can't take this moment and not celebrate them. I love and appreciate them so much. And I'm not here alone. I have my family here with me. We've been here about five years. And um, I'm mar married to my husband, Chris. We've been married for about 14 years. And he is one of the coolest people I know. If you haven't met him, you need to go find him, especially if you know about woodworking or lawn maintenance or car cleaning. He loves to talk about those things. Um, and he loves, he can teach himself anything. I'm convinced that he can teach himself anything. He actually attends YouTube University and he's, he takes classes every night and he's always learning something new. So maybe that's you too. Maybe you can connect with that. Um, we have two awesome kids, Ella, who is nine and Ella loves soccer. And then we have Miller, who's two and a half and he loves to color and draw and he loves to watch Baby Shark. And so that is constantly running in the back of my mind because I have to hear it all the time. And then we have a dog, we have a chocolate lab named Gunner, um, who has so much energy. I think he can jump, you know, five feet off the ground. We have a fence, but I'm pretty sure he could clear it if he wanted to. Um, and he would play fetch all day. But that's our family. Love them, appreciate them, thankful for the gift that they are. And we are just so thankful to be here at Upward. Um, but as we jump in today, I've got something I want you to think about. Have you ever had something that was just irritating you, nagging you, frustrating you, getting on your nerves, and it would not go away. Let's see those hands. Everybody, right? We've all had something that is just frustrating us, irritating us, and it wouldn't go away. And I was afraid I would see some fingers point at some family members when I said that. I don't want to call anybody out in the room, but maybe you've experienced something that was just irritating and nagging and wouldn't go away. Maybe you have experienced uh, riding down the road and there's a car that will not get off your bumper while you're driving down the highway. Anybody? Yes? Get on anybody else's nerves? Actually, I confess, I'm the person that rides the bumper. <laughs> like, I'm always riding too close. My husband gets on to me. He just said a few weeks ago, do you always follow this closely? Yes, I do. Yes. Um, maybe for you, it's when someone chews too loudly. Does that get on anybody's nerves in here? Let me see those hands. All right, now this is a really brave question for me to ask. Let me see your hand if you're the one who's been accused of chewing too loudly. Oh, we got some brave people in here. It's okay, we still love you, still love you. Have you ever experienced um, a pet that has kept you up at night? Yeah? That's happened to me plenty of times. But to share one specific story with you, um, growing up, my dad was a pastor, and we lived in a church parsonage most of my childhood. We grew up living in the church parsonage, the house that the church owned, and it was in a neighborhood. And we um, had many pets growing up, mostly dogs, but one dog in particular we had inherited from my grandpa, my dad's dad, and it was this um, old elk hound, elk hound he'd had for years. We inherited him, and unfortunately, we didn't get to choose his name. <laughs> my grandpa chose his name, and he had a very unique name, and the dog's name was Bimbo. Just let that settle in. When we called for that dog, we had to call for Bimbo, <laughs> um, and Bimbo loved to bark. He would bark all night long, and when he barked, 
all the dogs in the neighborhood would bark. I don't know if you guys have experienced that, but it was like one big barking party in our neighborhood, and nobody was getting any sleep. We were all irritated and mad and tired and wishing that that dog would be quiet. And my dad was especially aggravated. Like, he would get so worked up over it, which is really funny for me to think about now, but he would get so worked up over it. He'd go stand on our back porch, and he would just yell off the porch at that dog that was in a lot down behind our house and just yell at him to be quiet. And so here's my dad, who's the pastor of a church, We're living in the church parsonage in a neighborhood with all the neighbors to hear. And he steps out late at night as loud as he can. And he yells, shut up, bimbo, (laughs) across the backyard. I practiced that, y'all. I really wanted to get that right and sound like my daddy. Um, But he just yells that across our yard. And just funny thing, we actually had a neighbor come to us one morning to check on us because he thought he, they thought my dad was yelling at my mom. (laughs) So... It's a true story. So, uh, but we have these things that are funny, that are irritating to us. But really, sometimes we have a similar experience with our struggles and our pain that we go through. Something that is just frustrating with us, to us, and it sticks around and won't go away. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. The man that many people consider the greatest Christian who ever lived experienced something like this. We're going to hear from the Apostle Paul today. And Paul was no stranger to struggles. We talked about him in our series a few weeks ago in Philippians, where he wrote about finding joy when he was in prison. Paul experienced many hard times, and many of those God pulled him out of, but we're going to talk about one in particular that would not go away for Paul. And this is where we're going to jump into our text. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, and I'm going to read that this morning. Paul writes, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, And calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And so, this is Paul, who's known to be one of the most influential leaders in the history of the church. He is known for his missionary journeys, for his passion to build up the church. He started more more than a dozen churches. He's written more books than anyone else in the Bible. And he tells us here about this revelation that he has in chapter 12, where God actually took him up to heaven. And showed him eternity. Paul was able to see the things of heaven that no one else had seen. And then he writes here in this scripture that God gives him a thorn in the flesh. Now we're all familiar with a thorn, right? It's small, but that thing hurts. Have you ever been poked with a thorn? Yep, it's small, but it's painful. You know if you've touched one of those. Um, we actually went to Home Depot a while back. I told this on Thursday night, and I said Lowe's Hardware, and my husband corrected me. Oh, no, 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 it was Home Depot. <laughs> he knows his hardware stores. That's his home away from home. But we were in Home Depot, and we're going into the garden section. We're just going to look for plants, see if we want to spruce up the house with anything, see what they have. And we're walking through, and all of a sudden, I hear Ella behind me, my daughter. She's going, ow, 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 this hurts, this hurts. So I turn around and I look at her and she runs up to me. She shows me her hand. She said, it really hurts. And I'm like, what did you do? You know, I'm looking. I don't see anything. 
There's no cuts. There's no bruises. Everything looks fine to me. I said, you know, what did you do to your finger? Did you do something to hurt it? She said, no, I was just walking over there, and I was looking at the plants, and I touched that plant over there. I was like, okay. So I go and look, and I discover that she had rubbed her hand down the side of a cactus. (laughs) It looked harmless, but she discovered it wasn't. Has anybody done that in here before? I have to tell you that as a kid, I actually did the exact same thing. I was curious, and I decided to rub my hand down a cactus. But Ella, she went and she touched that cactus to see what it would feel like. And she had all kinds of those little tiny cactus spikes in her finger that you could barely see. She's got tears in her eyes. And she's like, Mommy, you've got to get them out. They hurt. They hurt. So we go and we journey through Home Depot and we go to the lighting section because I cannot see these thorns in her fingers. And we find the brightest lamp with the brightest bulb. And I just hold her hand up to that lamp and slowly I use my fingernails and I pick those things out the best that I can. And I bet we were standing there a good 20 minutes, probably had people staring at us like, what in the world are they doing? But those cactus spikes were small, but they hurt. They were really, really painful. And so um, thorns hurt. And Paul tells us about a pain in his life that was like a thorn in the flesh that wouldn't go away. In verse 7, Paul writes, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me a flesh, a mess in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So the first thing that we're going to talk about today is our pain can destroy our pride. Our pain can destroy our pride. So coming out of this vision of heaven, Paul says that he was allowed a thorn in his flesh. And now we don't know what this thorn in the flesh was for for Paul. He doesn't give us those details. He doesn't give us anything else in the story except for that it was a thorn in his flesh. And it's important that as we dig into this that we remember that sometimes the Bible doesn't tell us all the details as much as we would want them. Sometimes it leaves some things out, but we can trust and know that everything that we need is in the text, that the Bible gives us everything that we need. And so what's more important is that we look at the lesson that God wants to teach us here. So in verse 7, it says, so to keep me from becoming what? Conceited or prideful. Paul tells us twice that the purpose of his thorn was to keep his pride in check, was to keep him from becoming prideful, and that God allowed this struggle in his life. It would have been so easy with all of the experiences that Paul had, everything that God had used him to do. He, I mean, he literally went to heaven and saw eternity. It would have been so easy for pride to settle in his heart. Now, when we think of pride, we often think about arrogance, right? We think about maybe someone who looks down on others or sees themselves more highly than others. But really, pride often shows up as independence. Pride often shows up as independence. I can handle this. I've experienced this before. I know what to do. I don't need help. Let me take care of it. Being independent is a part of our human nature. And we can see this when we ask a two-year-old if we can help them, right? If, you're, if you've been around a two-year-old, you know that they are learning their independence. They're stretching that muscle. They are trying to do things on their own. And it's an important part of their development, right? It's something that they need to learn. Um, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old. I told you his name's Miller. And he is finding his independence. He is often reminding me that he wants to do things on his own. His favorite phrases that he says are, let me do it, and I don't want that all all day. I don't want that, let me do it. Um, And his newest thing that he wants to do on his own is 
uh, walking across the parking lot when we're out in public or walking through a store when we're out in public. He does not want to hold my hand. He wants to walk like a big boy. And all of a sudden, we'll be walking, and he will rip his hand from mine, and he'll take off running. And then it's this game of how fast mama can run. <laughs> and I can go ahead and tell you it's not very fast. <laughs> but uh, this just happened a few weeks ago. We were going to eat at Culver's, one of our favorite places to take the kids because they love the ice cream. But we were going to eat at Culver's. We're walking across the parking lot. Miller's got my hand. Walking in the door, still got my hand. We're good. Walk up to order the food, and as soon as I get my order, start to get my order out of my mouth, he rips his hand out from mine again, and he takes off running through the restaurant. And so what do I do? I take off running after him. But the problem is I did not see the wet floor sign that was sitting there by the drink machines. And so no sooner than I take a few steps, here down I go. I go sliding like I'm sliding in the second base. My feet slide under the rug that's in front of the drink machines. And my hands come down on top of this guy's shoes that were standing there. He was waiting on his food. And here I go. My hands are holding onto his shoes for dear life. And I just look up and I'm like, sorry. <laughs> and then I look over to the side here and Miller's only standing two or three feet away from me. <laughs> like he didn't even run very far. So all that for nothing. And he's laughing at me, um, having a good time because mama fell. Um, and then when I get up, he comes back and he gets my hand and he's back with me and all as well. So in this case, we hear the saying, pride comes before a fall. In this case, Miller's pride caused me to fall and then it hurt my pride <laughs> because I was a little, I was a little embarrassed. Um, but it's human nature to be independent, and we see that, we learn that from a very young age, and it's important for us to learn, but the problem is that it's very hard to unlearn independence. It's something um, that we, if we're not careful, will become so dependent on ourselves and take pride in what we're able to do that we will ignore our need for Christ. And God knew that Paul would need a reminder for that, and so God allows this thorn in his life to develop Paul's character to deal with the pride in his heart and to make him humble. God uses our pain to develop us. Any struggle or any pain that we experience, God can use to develop the character of Christ in us. And we know that we are never more like Christ than when we are walking in humility. When we let our pride go, when we surrender our problems and our issues and everything that we deal with in life to him, and we let him be Lord of our life, God allowed this thorn into Paul's life to destroy his pride and to develop his character. And then we're going to read in verse 8. Paul writes, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. When something is painful, we want it gone. Right? It's not comfortable. It hurts. We want it gone. When Ella had that thorn, those cactus spikes in her fingers, she wanted them out because it hurt. Paul wanted this thing gone. He wanted relief from the hurt. He wanted to be able to move on and not be in this struggle and not be in this pain. And I think we can all relate to that. We've all been through something or in something that just hurts or maybe something that we're struggling with and it has just stretched out for a period of time. It becomes this season of hurt and we just want relief so bad from it. We want God to take it away. We want we think if that thing is just gone, then we'll be able to move on and we'll be able to have some peace in our life. So Paul begged God to take the thorn away. And the Lord responds here in verse 9. Paul writes, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ 
may rest upon me. And so the second thing that we're going to talk about today is that our pain can display God's power. Paul asked God to remove this thorn from his life, this struggle, this pain that he was dealing with. Paul asked and God answered. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. So God answered, but maybe not in the way Paul had hoped for, right? Maybe not in the way that he had originally prayed for. Paul wanted this thing thing taken away, but God didn't do it. Instead, he says, my grace is sufficient. And I think we often read this in the scripture, my grace is sufficient. And we think about God's grace is enough to pull us out of this struggle, to take this pain away. And it absolutely is. He is able to do that. But I want us to think about and remember, it's also important to remember that his grace is sufficient even, even if he doesn't take our thorn away. His grace is sufficient even if we stay in the hurt and the pain. He is good even if our hurt stays. So God says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. The New Living Translation says, my power works best in weakness. God's power works best in us when we are weak. And this idea of having power and weakness is very strange to us, right? We're taught to be strong and independent, and society really values our strengths and what we can bring to the table, and we oftentimes feel the need to hide our weaknesses. So when you go on a job interview, what's one question that they always ask you? Tell, tell me about your strengths and weaknesses, right? It's a great question for them because it tells them a lot about you, but it's very difficult to answer. Tell you about my strengths? Oh, absolutely. Let me just go on for days about all of these amazing qualities I have. Now tell me about your weaknesses. It's like, oh, I don't really want to talk about that, but let me see what I can think of here. That one's really hard to answer. It's hard to reveal those weak spots in our life to other people. And sometimes people like to take their uh, weaknesses that they answer on this interview question and they like to spin it to sound like a strength, right? Let me think of something that maybe doesn't sound quite as bad if I say it this way. So let me just give you a few examples of these just for fun. Um, Maybe it's not that I don't do well with conflict. It's just that I'm too nice. Does that sound better, that you're too nice? I don't procrastinate. I just take my time to get things right. That sounds better. This is my favorite. I don't have a control problem. I have high standards and have a hard time delegating. (laughs) That one's really fun. That one kind of hits hard. (laughs) Um, But we feel this unspoken pressure, pressure to hide our weak spots. We don't want anyone to see what we're struggling with or the things that we deal with. So instead of admitting that we need help with something, a lot of times we just try to do it on our own. And instead of being honest about our shortcomings, we try to cover them up. But in our weaknesses, at our lowest point, his power works best because it's there that we can display what his power is able to do for others to see. It's also when we recognize that we can't do life on our own. If we could figure it all out on our own, we would feel like we don't need a God who loves us. We've got it taken care of. But it's in these weak moments that we know we need a source of strength outside of ourselves. We need the power of Christ in us, working through us. We need the power of God in our lives. And Paul writes, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ 
may rest upon me. Paul recognized that this was an opportunity to display God's power like he had never experienced before. He didn't see this anymore as an obstacle, but as an opportunity. And so I want us to remember this today. Our weakness is not an obstacle, but an opportunity. Our weakness becomes an advantage in the kingdom of God. It's not an obstacle to be removed, but it's an opportunity for us to lean into God's strength like we never have before and experience his power like we've never known before. Instead of pain and weakness becoming something that we need to hide, it's an opportunity for us to show everyone around us what the power of God can do. In verse 10, Paul writes, For the sake of Christ, then... I am content. Can y'all say that with me this morning? I am content. He had settled, settled in his heart that he was content no matter what pain or struggle came. He says, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He says, for the sake of Christ. It's for the purpose of lifting up Jesus in our world that I am content with weakness and hardship. No matter what pain we experience, we can be content. We can be satisfied and take joy in knowing that our pain has a purpose, that Christ wants to use that to lift up his name in our world. If we allow it, our pain can destroy our pride and it can display God's power. The less pride we have, the more of God's power that we'll see working in our life, in our weak moments, in the problems we can't solve, in those painful memories that just continue to hurt that won't go away, in those issues that burden us that we try to carry on our own, in those things, it's there that the power of Christ rests on us. The things that we think are bringing us down are really lifting us up. And it's in those moments that we will know God's strength like we never have before. And our life will become a living testimony to the power of God. A year ago, I was standing in this exact same spot and I was bringing a message to you during our weekend services. And I was able to share my story about what I was going through. Um, I had just, just experienced the death of my mom. I think at that point I was about five, five months out from that. So I was able to share what that was like for me and what I was processing in my grief and what God was doing in my heart. But what I didn't know at that moment that I see now is that that was just the beginning for me in my grief journey. That that would turn into a season of hurt and pain for me and that God would just continue to work on my heart through that. But I remember a moment this past January and um, I was about a year out from my mom passing away. And all of this grief just hit me like a train again. It just hit me so hard. And I was uh, experienced grief for my mom, but I was also remembering uh, losing my dad. I lost my dad in 2013. And so just this grief of losing both of my parents before I was ready to just hit me so hard. And I just felt um, not abandoned, but almost felt alone in that moment. And because I really miss my parents, still miss them now. Um, they were wonderful parents, but I was feeling that grief so heavy. We were about a year out. And I remember laying in my bed, I was crying, and I was like God, saying, God, I trust you, but this hurts. And I still don't really understand why I'm having to walk through this, but I'm gonna trust you that there's a purpose behind this. And I just remember um, I had a thought in my head that was straight from the enemy, it wasn't truth, but I had this thought of, 
I should have moved on by now. I should have been able to pick myself up by now and move on with my life. It's been a year. I've been grieving long enough. And that, I know that now that was the lie straight from the enemy. I rec- the Holy Spirit helped me recognize that for what it was. And I took some time to stop and pray. And I just prayed specifically. I said, God, I need joy again. I need joy that I can't find in myself or anyone else around me. I need joy that only comes from you. And so I prayed that specifically. And God was so faithful to give me joy and peace in my life, even in the middle of that hurting. I took steps to pray. I found people um, that I could talk to, that I could draw strength from, and people that could lift me up and speak uh, God's truth into my life. I found someone that I could process my grief out loud with. I took some other steps, but in all of that, God showed up and he gave me joy. He gave me peace in that hurting. And it's my prayer that in that situation in my life that you would see how the power of God has worked in me and in my life. My family, we're doing amazing. We have made it through. It still hurts, but I can see how God has been so strong for us in the middle of it. And so I just share that story to say maybe some of you um, have experienced loss recently. Maybe you are walk, have walked through that. Uh, maybe there's something that's hurting you. Uh, maybe you got some bad news that you weren't expecting, and it has just really hit you hard. Maybe you've been in a season of loss or hurt. And I just want to share my story with you to say that God is able, His grace is sufficient. He's able to give you strength, and He wants to be your strength in the middle of that, and He wants to display His power in your life to everyone around you. He wants to use that low point that weakness, that insecurity, that hurt to help lift up his name in our world. And so I want to ask you two questions before we close out here today. The first one is just to think about what pain or struggle is God calling you to surrender to him today? Just think about that. What pain or struggle is God calling you to surrender to him today? And what step is he calling you to take? What step is he calling you to take today? Maybe for you, it's finding someone that you can go and ask to pray for you. Maybe it's just asking for someone to pray for you. Maybe it's asking for help. Maybe it's something that you have been trying to deal with on your own and you need another believer to come alongside you and help you. Maybe it's finding someone that you can talk to and share your struggle with. Whatever that step is that God is calling you to take, I want you to seek him today and say, God, what is it that you want me to surrender to you? And what do you want me to do about it today? What step can I take today? God is inviting us to let go of our pride and to step into his power. The less pride we have, the more of God's power we'll have working in our life. Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you so much just for the opportunity to be here today. God, we thank you for your church and our church family that we can draw strength from each other. And God, I just lift each person that's in here up to you today. We know, you know exactly what's going on in their life. You know their struggles and their hurts and their pain. And God, I just pray that they would know that your grace is sufficient, that you are with them in the middle of it, that they're not alone. And God, that you're calling them just to surrender that pain and that struggle to you. God, we thank you that you just lean down to listen to our every need. And God, that you're here just to take on the burden of our pain and our struggles and carry it for us. We're going to continue, but I just want to, if you'll, ask, if you'll keep your eyes closed, if there's anyone in here, I just want to ask, if there's anyone in here that's never surrendered their life to Christ, you've never uh, made the decision to follow him, 
to live for him and you're ready, you want today to be the day that you give your life to him, could you just raise your hand and let us know? We don't want to embarrass you. We just want to be able to pray for you this morning. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you one more question before we go today. Is there anyone in here that you have been struggling through something? You've had a pain in your life and you've been trying to take care of it on your own. And God's calling you to let your pride go and to surrender that to him. If you've got something like that in your life, could you raise your hand so that we could pray for you? Amen. God bless you. Amen. We're going to pray together today. We're going to pray first for those who are saying yes to Christ this morning. And church, if you'll repeat after me and pray with me. If you said yes to Christ online, we want to invite you to let us know there and to pray this prayer with us. But church, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. God, I ask you to forgive my sins. I give my life to you. And from this day forward, I will live for you. I surrender my life to you. And I want you to be Lord of my life. Amen. And now, Father, we just, uh, I do live lift these up that would raise their hand in here today with the pain that they've been walking through, a struggle they've been walking through. God, I pray that you would just make yourself known to them right here in the middle of their struggle, that they would feel your presence in this moment, that your power would just rest on them. And we thank you that we can lean on you for, for strength. We thank you that your grace is sufficient. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been a joy to be with you today. Thank you guys for letting me speak to you today. I want to speak a blessing over you. You just lift your hands to receive this blessing before we leave here today. It's from Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. And it says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. His, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I just speak that blessing over you today, that you would walk out of here in God's strength and his power. And I commission you as you leave here to go out into your world and share Jesus with those around you. We love you all. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you back next week.